This episode of Duke Talking to Me was recorded under lockdown conditions. Hello, I'm Philip Simon. And I'm Rachel Krieger. We are two Jewish comedians. I'm Reform. And I'm Orthodox. And this is the chat show that recreates the sensation of finding yourself on the miscellaneous table at your cousin Hannah's bat mitzvah. Ten minutes in, you're desperate for a drink, but all they're serving is Diet Coke. Each week, we'll bring you two of our favourite Jews to chat about their lives, their experiences growing up, and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they kosher? Oh, no, sir. Welcome to Jew Talking to Me. So, Rachel, what is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? I've been signing up to all kinds of websites and organisations to deal with the admin of our show. And you know how it is now that when you get the replies back, they're always very chatty and friendly. And what I found is because our email is Jew talking, the emails I get in return all start with things like, Hi, Jew. Hello, <laughs> Jew. Dear Jew. It's very, very weird. It makes me feel like a character in Jojo Rabbit. It's very familiar of them, isn't it? They're making it sound quite friendly, but I don't imagine it sounded quite like that when people said it to my grandparents. Well, mine feels a bit different because I guess that your story is about technology and algorithms over-familiarising. My mobile phone, I discovered this week, is anti-Semitic. What do you mean? Well, it doesn't like me talking about Jewish things, which makes very difficult to put this show together. Obviously, we've been communicating a lot, you and me, producer Russell, our guests, and sometimes I can't face typing when I text. So I use the dictation service on the phone. And I've realised no matter how clearly I think I'm speaking, there are certain Jewish words or phrases my phone just rejects. Like what? Well, this week I was dictating a message about Finchley Reform Shul. And I thought I said that quite clearly, but what my phone decided to put was finished the form shawl, like a tool you put around you. Uh, so I, I started to make a list of all the times it messed up. Here's my list for you. Uh, going okay. to shul becomes going to chill. Dovening becomes deafening. Flying LL was flying LOL. Shavuot was shove you out. Rosh Hashanah, Russia, Shina. Falafel in pita bread was for the love of Peter bread. This was a great one. Shwarma in hummus and tahina became shwarma with Thomas and Davina. Who's Thomas and Davina? I've no idea. But how is it that that is the bit they get wrong? but shawarma is totally okay. <laughs> I tried dictating your new favourite phrase, hi Jew. Uh, even that didn't come up. Uh, hi Jew came out as hi Joe. Okay. Uh, hello Jew came out as hello Jude. In fact, the only time it did work, and this is how I know my phone is anti-Semitic, the only time it worked was when I wrote goodbye Jew. So anyone who thinks that Jews control the media could not be further from the truth. I can't even control my phone. <laughs> But this show isn't just about us, and it's time to bring on our guest. And the first one has to go first. It's actor, character comedian, and musician, Steve First. How are you? Yeah, Hello. great, Steve. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Very good. Excellent. We'd like to start off by asking you how you self-define in terms of being Jewish. So what I'm really saying is, what kind of Jew are you? Um, bad. Very bad Jew. Uh, <laughs> not brought up in the strict Jewish tradition. Father Jewish, mother converted after I was born. Um, when she met my stepfather. So brought up then for my teenage years in a Jewish household. So kind of became more aware culturally when I started doing Lenny Beige, the character. Mm -hmm. That was a gateway into certainly the kind of the, uh, the cultural element, the food element, the kind of, and the celebratory element as well. And the, just the discovery of um, self-deprecation and and uh, not being afraid to, afraid to kind of prick the, uh, the, the Semitic bubble a bit. What would you say is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? I complained about soup. Um, <laughs> 
uh, sometimes people just don't get it right. And if you say it's uh, a haddock and sweet corn chowder, then make sure that the levels of haddock to sweet corn and indeed potatoes, which it doesn't say on the front, it needs to be <laughs> wrong. Do not skimp on haddock. Soup's very dear to me. I, I can make it very well. I consume a lot of it. And if you're going to screw it up, then you're going to make me very angry. Very angry. I think you're going to find you have a lot in common with Rachel, who takes her mm. soup very seriously. I mean, it'd be my mastermind. So soup is, I mean, it's a life force, isn't it? It is a life force. You know, when the inevitable kind of the teeth decay happens when you're old, when the, the effort to masticate becomes harder and harder, it will only ever become more liquefied, our diet. Mm. So for me, you start and you end, and you end with soup, and with, I feel like I was born into a cauldron of soup. It's, it's very important, very I important. I am a chicken soup, 52 Friday nights a year person, right. like honestly, and very specific about it. And in fact, we went round to friends one Friday night, who always claimed to be similar to me in that regard. We went round to friends then one Friday night, and she'd made butternut squash soup. I'm not over it. Did you eat it? I ate it so resentfully. <laughs> was it good? Eh, it was fine. Yeah. It would have been better on a Thursday. Always I, I leave chicken soup all week. When I come back from gigging late at night, big bowl of chicken soup. Yeah, exactly. How long do you keep before after making? What's your window? What's your window of uh, availability? What, before putting it in the freezer? Yeah, or putting it down the drain. It never lasts that long. <laughs> never. Um, my yeah. grandmother treated her chicken soup like a Chinese master stock, you know, when you make it and then you add to it over an extended period of time yeah. so that it was always getting richer and richer and more amazing, which was brilliant. But then when she was older, she sort of did the same, but without the putting it in the fridge bits. <laughs> and we had some quite lively soup. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that we could just do a show, the two of us, about soup. I'm going to just write that idea down and in the meantime i'm going to bring on our next guest who is a writer comedian filmmaker and nicholas cage lookalike it's joe ball hello <laughs> hello joe hello nice to be here nice to see you guys how uh, lovely you? and uh just like i asked steve joe what kind of jew are you in school i was a non-religious a jewish atheist is how i described myself i think i'm culturally jewish is probably the best way of describing it. As you saw, you came to my show, A Room with a Jew. I don't know how to define myself, but I've found that I'm probably culturally Jewish, I think. And what would you say was the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? I've realised my mum is very Jewish. My mum plays a big part in my comedy. Um, and this week, I had a beer during the day and I made the mistake of posting about it, forgetting that my mum follows me on social media. All I put was, it's midday and I'm having a beer and I get a, a, a text from my mum going are you an alcoholic um, <laughs> now you're here joe i can reveal that this is an intervention <laughs> uh, and admitting you have a problem is very much the first step <laughs> thank you it's useful for us to know how you're doing and if that's what it is then that's what it is we always like to start our shows by asking our guests what's the matter bubbler so maybe we should start with joe you might need more help so uh, <laughs> how are you doing, mate? What's, what's going on? My weight is an issue. Although I saw you the other day uh, via the internet and you said I'd lost weight, so that made me feel good. Yeah. But I'm always sort of uh, neurotic about uh, about my weight. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I've got I've got a joke about my weight. I think I was obsessed with weight because when I was younger, I played the board game Hungry Hungry Hippos. I've got a friend uh, who, when he was younger, he played the board game Operation and he is now a doctor. I've got another friend when he was younger, he played the game Uno. Yeah, he is now single and lives in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's my favourite joke at the moment. And I like how you use humour to deflect from your drinking. <laughs> yes. I took the pose down because my mum was like, if you want any work, just you need to take it down. And now I'm mentioning it. So, How about you, Steve? What's the matter, Bubbler? I think because now what, we're three months um, into lockdown, I it's the repetition, I think. We normally, by virtue of the fact that what we do have varied lives that kind of days are very different. So after three months, it's the repetition, slowly chipping away like a Chinese water torture, just very infinitesimal amounts to begin with. It just feels that the tiny things have become huge things because you find yourself staring at the same walls. You find yourself looking at the place you live and going, that needs doing and that needs doing and that. So that's where I am now is that it's trying to break that pattern of repetition because otherwise we don't have that release that we had before we're not doing shows we're not kind of going out and so it, that, that yeah that that for me is is uh, is where my week is it's that slightly frustrated you can feel that we're reaching a tipping point a little bit and if something doesn't give i'm gonna go <laughs> very strange very very strange I'm a proper full-on Jewish mother. So whenever yeah. I see anybody, the first thing I think of is, have you eaten yet? And I often think about the fact that people listening or watching this may be doing it over a meal, which I find quite comforting. Joe, have you got any particular memories or strong connections to specific Jewish foods or a particular meal? Yeah, I've got a Jewish friend called Rachel who carries food with her everywhere. <laughs> I mean, every time, every time I see you. <laughs> Which is great because I, you know, I'm probably hungry. I mean, I'm not hungry, but I will eat it. My mum likes to tell this story about. I think it's Passover when you have the bitter herb to remember the dark times that Jews have been through. Is that right? It feels yeah. like a safe okay. bet that something we do is yeah. to remember the hard times. My mum, the first time she had bitter herb when she was a child, she thought it was banana. So, so mm. she thought, why is everyone just taking a little bit? Why are they just being polite? Oh. And she, she of course took a massive bite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was obviously horrendous. In our family, it gets quite competitive about how much of the horseradish, the bitter herbs, you can eat in one go and who has what. Because there's all different varieties. You can have lettuce as a bitter herb. There's grated horseradish. There's cut into chunks horseradish. And every single person has a different thing. But as it goes around the male section of the table, the quantity of horseradish that people say they want. You know, by the time my youngest child, who's now 14, I mean, he's like, I want a lettuce leaf with grated horseradish and a horseradish stick on the top that's his thing he's like super tough whereas my priority at Pesach at the Seder table is to have one of the wine cups that's got a, the the base of it look big enough you can hide all that stuff underneath <laughs> so I, I take the bitter herb or whatever it is just place it underneath and then oh, oh just do that that's three years at drama school right there <laughs> I like the wine bit that's the mm. that's the bit that's the, the highlight for me maybe your mom had a point wise yeah. <laughs> How old until you can have the wine? How old were your boys, Rach? For Seda? Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, we had wine and lemonade mixed together, which my grandfather used to say, that's your Seda cocktail. I don't know, you have it's a little tiny bit, you can have it early on, or grape juice. What we discovered um, when we got married 
is that you don't have to have like really horrible, sickly, old fashioned kosher wine at your Seder. You can have kosher wine, which is called things like Merlot. Or <laughs> like you can have actual wine because it's so traditional to have those wines that are like sherry. Oh, um, yeah. I used to be a social worker and we did a team meeting at a kosher restaurant like every year. It was sort of, I think it must have been our Christmas final team meeting. And every year we'd go somewhere and I'd sit there having an apple and drinking a glass of water. And on this occasion, they said, oh, let's go somewhere kosher for you and we went to a Chinese restaurant that used to be in Temple Fortune called Marcus's and they had a BYOB policy like a court you pay corkage whatever and so all the rest of the team went into the nearest Obbins or whatever uh, wine shop it was and the only kosher wine they had was Power Number 4 or whatever it is a really strong wine and they all came with these wrapped bottles with tissue wrapped bottles and they brought them on the table and I came in my side laughing and um and they said, what's the matter? And I said, hey, so you know the sherry that your nan has at Christmas? This make that taste like vinegar. It's like, it's like syrup. And then I sent two of them to take it all back and two of them down to um, the kosher supermarket. And I said, ask for wines with names you recognise and then we'll all be fine. Is this because you want to start your kids on wine now, Joe? No, no, no. Um... <laughs> Get his mum on the phone. <laughs> no, no, don't. No, please don't. It'll be a very long um, podcast. Um, vodcast? Is it a vodcast? It's vod- You're hearing vodka. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm Vodka. I know. I know. It's been too, this lockdown's been too long. Steve, we've chatted quite a bit about soup, but have you got any strong Jewish food memories about any other kind of food or drink? We'd always have chopped liver and challah in the house and chicken soup. It never really extended beyond that as, as just everyday fare. Because we didn't do the traditional Friday night dinner. I'd have that at a friend's house if I did have it. But for me, the first, I mean, the kind of awakening was going to New York and eating in delis and going, this is food and this is a portion and this is a cardiac arrest. Um, (laughs) To me, it was a ghast. And, you know, you've been brought up on Woody Allen films and Seinfeld. and So, you know, it was... You'd seen those sort of sandwiches. You'd seen Jews in in delis, and but to be in the middle of it and experiencing it, and it, it was quite. It still is quite overwhelming, and much more so than going to somewhere like Bloom's, because you know Bloom's was uh, toward the end of its life a terrible restaurant. Mm-hmm. You, were, you know, you always felt like you were a hindrance if you were in somewhere like Bloom's, which yeah. is <laughs> quite funny. But you know what I mean. So that it was the joy of going to those delis, that kind of you know overconsumption, and that's when you see Jews at their happiest. I think at lunch and and shouting and screaming and just faces in sandwiches as big as heads. Amazing. So what what did you order in the deli? Well, of course, because that's the confusing thing, because if you've gone to have salt beef at wherever it is, at, at the Brick Lane Bagel, but it's pastrami there. It's not the same. It's it the, There is a difference, and I've never understood why they don't do salt beef the same way that we do salt beef. But, yeah, it was the big open pastrami sandwich. It's all accompaniments. When you order that little side dish of chopped liver, it it's like, again, it's like an ice cream top. It's extraordinary. And that's just like a sundry. You could order a sandwich and that yeah. sandwich could feed you for a week. Yeah. The bread is so thin. Yeah, what am yeah. I supposed to do? I need to go and buy a loaf of bread now just to finish the filling. <laughs> I've got a really yeah. good tip. It's like an insider tip. So when you go to places like Rubens, yeah. um, you get a salt beef sandwich. It's like you say, it's two thin bits of bread, but like a lot of meat in between. But they also will give you bread if you want to wash your hands, do the religious ritual of washing your hands before you eat your sandwich. So if you get another two pieces 
pieces of bread, you can divide the salt beef between them, two sandwiches, one to take home. Well, now they think I'm religious and I've got to mock some weird ceremony that I know <laughs> nothing about in order to get my two free slices of bread, my kind of yeast yarmulke. I was going to say, I'm surprised you don't bring your own bread, Rach. <laughs> <laughs> they won't accept my bread in there. And um, why Joe's <laughs> going on about this is because um, we gigged in Edinburgh twice where I brought in bagels. But I brought bagels oh. for anyone who wanted to eat them. I did a... Uh, a kind of lunchtime chat show in about 2004 at the Pleasance and I said well my only stipulation is is that I'm allowed to buy a mountain of bagels from the bakery as I go in to the Pleasance every morning and so it became the the kind of well it was, it was lunch so but you do realize very quickly how difficult it is to chew bagels and to talk at the same time. I am so excited by the fact that you are both saying bagel rather than bagel which is real issue for me and my family certainly we fall out all the time over whether it's bagel or bagel and the fact that i clearly have two allies in you is delightful but i'm aware that you must have some broiguses in your family and i wanted to see if there was anything you wanted to share with us about perhaps a favorite feud well my parents all the time um <laughs> my parents are divorced um which I don't know, it's probably why I do comedy. One of the reasons why I do comedy, just for the attention. I got a good joke out of it like, that is in my set. I said, my mum explained it through my toys. She said, He-Man has left She-Ra for Chitara. Chitara is a slob. Joseph Four, would you kiss your bubble with that mouth? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Steve, how about you? Anything in your family that uh, maybe shouldn't see the light of day, but you want to share with us anyway? I have a uh, one-upmanship thing with uh, my best mate and uh, it's usually I mean it's, it's about lots of things but often it's about coming up with the most Jewish things so at the moment it's Jewish TV shows um, so things like um, Cohen for Gold, Challenge Hanukkah, <laughs> You Wish You Were Here, Convention of Sport, Richard and Judaism, uh, they think it's all kosher, <laughs> Fred plays, Menorah behaving badly, Davening on ice, uh, Home and Oive, uh, Hail and Pesach, um, uh, <laughs> Saunders, Shicks and Knockout, Placial, Shlonga Praise, um, <laughs> Shlemiel of Fortune, I could go on, the Gentile, <laughs> Golders Green Wing. Um, anyway, you get, the, you get the drift. Where were you when we were naming this show? <laughs> <laughs> Schlongs of praise. There you go. You missed an opportunity. I think that would have been very challenging for my brand. So we all have connections, actually, between us. I discovered that Joe was virtually my neighbour when he came to do one of my gigs locally and they asked if anyone could give him a lift home. And it turns out he lives literally up the hill from where I live. And Steve and I worked together in quite a weird way in that I directed a show by a brilliant writer and performer called Deborah Tammer. The show was Mancunian Rhapsody. And uh, Steve played the part of the father in that show, but he was only ever heard on the answer phones. It was a voiceover part. So every day for four months, I heard his voice on an answer. You literally were phoning it in, Steve, is what I'm saying. <laughs> that particular so uh, we have all these interesting things in common. But I mean, other than me, I'm interested to know what is your most exciting Jewish connection? So if you think about the sort of thing that the Jewish Chronicle in your obituary might want to drag up to say, well, in fact, Steve, what is your most exciting or interesting or unusual Jewish connection? I would say it's about my father. My father was a conductor, a child prodigy from Budapest, a violin player whose parents were killed in the camps. And he was orphaned about the age of eight. And he was kind of kept 
in secret places by his aunt for the last months of the war every night was a different house because of course no one would house Jews for longer than a night because it was too risky so he, he lived through that then he lived through Russian occupation and left in 56 and ended up in Ireland uh, after a few years in uh, I think 1958 59 and I think he was the first Jewish leader of an Irish orchestra and he was certainly the first Jewish conductor of the Ulster Orchestra where he ended up in the late 60s uh, where I was born um, so it's not particularly funny but I do think you know it's uh, it, yeah it is something to be proud of and especially in Ireland in the 50s I mean he would have been this kind of I mean he was it was a very dandyish foppish character he would have been a and absolutely, you know, it would have been like a, a peacock in a pig farm, a very strange, exotic creature. It's kind of a remarkable life that my dad had, certainly the, mm -hmm. the formative years. And I've got his old violin and I play it. And every time I play it, I can hear his words. This is, please stop playing. Um, <laughs> can you just repeat that metaphor? Like a what in a what? Like a peacock in a pig farm. Is that a thing? I've no, never heard I just that made it up, and then I realised it's not the <laughs> Jewish metaphor. But they <laughs> is it a simile? Yeah, all right, all right, yeah. Okay, you, Mr. Passive Aggressive, in the top left. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Joe? Um, so, other than me, who is your most famous Jewish connection? I was in a sitcom with Steve first. It was set in a wine shop as well as a theme. As a running theme, I played a posh guy. Um, it was very convincing, obviously. <laughs> I did, a, did my last Edinburgh show uh, about my granddad who survived the, the Holocaust, who escaped, uh, ended up in Auschwitz. He came to the UK and became a very successful architect and town planner and got a CBE for town planning. And I managed to do a show about it. I mean, the show isn't the, his, his big achievement, but... Um, <laughs> My, my grandfather had a very fast friend who was a famous actor called Herbert Long. Oh. And that was, that was the Edinburgh show. It was called The Story of Walter and Herbert. The, the show was kind of about their friendship. Herbert helped my granddad escape, got, you know, helped him get to the, the UK. And I found some old letters, which is really interesting, about their sort of friendship and how they fell out and how they became friends again. It was a good show. You should have come. It was a good show. <laughs> you, you came. You came, so... You, you know, I saw it. It was excellent. Thank you. I did. I Thank laughed. You. I cried. What more do you want? Thank you. I I cried. It's not a competition. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, with Rachel, it is absolutely a competition. Hundred uh, percent. She 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 likes to take things to extremes. You see, in Jewish food, we have extremes like meaty and milky, and then just nestled there in the middle, you've got parev food, the magnolia paint of the Jewish food palette kind of not really here not really there and we wondered about things that people get really worked up about have really extreme thoughts about that you just don't really find yourself caring about one way or the other is there anything that you would say that you are particularly par of about joe box sets like the wire i never really got <laughs> i just couldn't get into it um narcos all of those ones you know the, all of those that people say oh you've got to see it you've got to see it and i saw it and i just couldn't and beer i would say beer actually even though i do <laughs> occasionally drink beer i don't really like it that much you just drink it don't you? my friends used to get really annoyed because i was i would order a diet coke they'd all get a mm. beer when we're sort of 18 19 going to the pub and they'd be like i'm not ordering a diet coke for you like <laughs> maybe it's a jewish thing i don't know there's a thing i won't order actually my son likes chips in his shawarma yes. like inside it are you saying yes like yeah, that's a normal okay, yeah. thing are you saying you wouldn't buy me chips with my shawarma i mean not with it not like a side dish inside yeah yeah, wrap yeah. them up. Yeah. Next, you'll say you wouldn't have a fish finger sandwich. No, I would not have a fish finger oh, sandwich. This show is going to need new co-hosts very soon. <laughs> 
it's all kicking off. This isn't even something I can be par of about. It's a bit like when you go to Subway and you ask for a sandwich and they say, do you want cheese with that? And you say no. And they do a double take because they're so used to everyone having cheese with everything. No, it's like going to Subway and them ask you, do you want Jacob's cream crackers in the middle? I don't think Rachel's ever been in a Subway. <laughs> I've been in a kosher Subway in okay. Israel. It was called La Baguette. La Baguette. Oh, and yeah. it had a meaty side and a milky side, and then you could have whatever you wanted in your baguette. Steve, how about you? Anything that you're not really fussed about, but people get really worked up over? Bob Dylan. Love the lyrics, love some of the songs, can't abide the voice. And I'm not alone in that, but, you know, and I'll try. I really will try. And I, I, I'm very open-eared to, to music particularly. And it's not for want of appreciation, it's just, it's an assault on my senses and <laughs> and it never gets any better it just get gets worse it's just you know the affectation as it was has just consumed everything um and i can't now separate the until somebody covers his stuff like um the uh, girl from the girl from the north country uh, which was a brilliant show but um using his songs but all sung by by different members of the cast sublime just can do without that piece i i have a bit of an issue with bob dylan it's not dissimilar to yours um but it's that his voice sounds very much like a rabbi who used to teach in my school <laughs> that sort of yeah, it's like Sorry. a bumblebee in a pint glass. <laughs> exactly. And if he only said Hakadosh Baruch as he said that, then it, it would be like a, a replica. Did any of you notice when Steve said pint glass that Joe got a little bit wistful? <laughs> this show is really about Jewishness. What I'm curious to know is what is the most Jewish thing about you? I, I I'm neurotic. I think. Or am I? Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah, I'm obviously, um, I've got a neurosis. Um, and uh, my mum, actually, my, no, my mum. My mum is probably the most Jewish thing uh, about me. My, it's just the sort of, um, the, oh, I, I, I sort of talk about it on stage, about the sort of conversations me and my mum have. And it sort of, sort of sums it up, really. How I said to her, she wanted to come round recently. This was before the lockdown. She said, uh, can I come round? I said, mum, the boy, the boy is ill and we haven't slept much. So if you come, I need you to be sensitive. And she went, let's cancel then. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, what's the most Jewish thing about you? My musicality, I think, because I think that's a very Jewish thing as well. There's a kind of, you know, you only have to sit in shul to hear cantor sing, hear a choir sing, and it seems so natural and so unaffected. I did a film called Atonement a few years ago, written by Naomi Alderman. Mm -hmm. um, and the first scene that we shot was in a in a show, one in St. John's Wood, and we had the most extraordinary singer. Um, and it just, you know, it, it's an, it absolutely sets every part of me on fire. I think it's an extraordinary thing when it's done beautifully and done well. Um, so religious music, even though like Joe, I'm, a, I'm an atheist, but I think music in praise of a higher spirit is, is always where the, the best, the most beautiful stuff comes from. <laughs> Well, that is nearly all we've got time for. So this is your chance to tell our lovely audience where they can find you. Joe, normally we'd allocate 20 seconds for this, but for you, 30. I've got a website, joebohr.co.uk. My Twitter, at Joseph Bohr, uh, B-O-R. Yeah, just chatting rubbish on there, probably. And Steve, how about you? Where can our listeners and viewers find you? Same. Uh, I have my own website. Ooh. 
everyone's got that. <laughs> um, first, F-U-R-S-T dot com. Um, and also we've uh, started during lockdown, we started Lenny Beige, one word, Lenny Beige TV on YouTube. Um, and stuff is going to be added all the time. We've had a good chance to go through the archive and there's some pretty choice stuff over the years and people that were on the show and people that have kind of come through the club. So a nice little platform to hawk my tawdry old wares. Well, this has been really brilliant. I've loved chatting to you. And from now on, I'm always going to think of Steve as the Jew who loves soup almost as much as me. And Joe <laughs> as the Jew who will always blame his career choices on a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos. Oh, yeah. And is a bit of an alcoholic. Yeah. That as well. well, as my grandmother used to say when she wanted to end my telephone calls, you must have better things to do than talk to me. And you must have better things to do than talk to us, which is a good thing, as sadly, we've come to the end of this week's show. We'd like to thank our guests, Steve First and Joe Bohr. Follow them on social media. Follow us on social media at Jew Talking without the G. And join us next time on Jew Talking to Me. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel, uh, before we go, uh, I would like to take this opportunity to say bye, Jew. Jew Talking to Me was hosted by me, Philip Simon. And me, Rachel Krieger. It was produced by Russell Balkin. <laughs>